Hi, and welcome back to the Diamond Pod. My name is Mason, and uh, we're going to get into uh, some baseball standings today and uh, talk about uh, Vladdy's uh, success, as well as uh, some potential trades that we think could happen throughout the season. And uh, we're going to go kick it off in the AL East, uh, talking with Jake here. Yeah, so Tampa Bay's in first. No surprise, really, to me. The Boston Red Sox are in second, with their record being 39 and 27. Then you got Toronto in third at 33 and 30. The New York Yankees in fourth at 33 and 32. And then the Baltimore Orioles in last place with a record of 22 and 42. What are your guys' surprises to that division? I think, you know, first off, I think the thing that stands out is, obviously, we talked about this on the last podcast, is the Yankees. They're in fourth place with, you know, the expectations and payroll that they have. I think that's probably one of the bigger surprises in baseball. I think the whole division is kind of a surprise. Like, they're all, they've all been really successful, the top four teams. And then you've got the Orioles, which they're in a tough division to have to deal with. And a team that has had its fair bit of struggles <laughs> in the recent years, so. Uh, Orioles have a tough way to dig themselves out of just because of how deep this division is, uh, especially with a young Blue Jays team that has been on fire lately. I'm surprised they're not higher, actually, um, and don't have more wins and aren't closer to the top in that division. But it's just tough, and it's tight. And the Yankees, uh, you know, like Matt said, it's a surprise that they're not doing better. Uh, but when you lose a series to the Tigers, uh, I guess, uh, <laughs> you know, that's where your struggles are going to be. Um, and the Red Sox have been a nice surprise. I think they've done better than expected. I don't think anybody expected them to be in second place in the divi- in this division uh, this far into the season. Yeah, I thought after last year being only a 60-game season, we're through 60-something games this year already. I didn't think they were going to be – as bad as they were, but I didn't think they were going to be like three games back, like competing for the first spot in the division, all that. But it seems like everyone's healthy. A lot of players are having really good seasons. Like Alex Verdugo, everyone's like, oh, we traded Mookie Betts for him. He'll never live up. Obviously, he's not on the level of Mookie Betts, but he's a very good piece to have on that team. Oh, he's a beauty. He's a fun guy to have in the dugout from what, from what I've seen. So he's a guy that you want to have and is a good, decent pickup for losing Mookie. They were going to lose him anyway. Yeah. So. And I want to like, I think Toronto being in third is exactly what you said, just being a product of a really good division, but I don't know. There's not much else you can do. It's tight. I mean, it's you're. It's going to be a struggle to find a team that's going to break out of that, just because it is a deep division and they have to play each other so many times. And uh, that's just how it's going to go. And I think, like what you guys said with the Red Sox, I think they're a big surprise being in second place. I mean, if you look at it, they won the World Series in 2018, and just look at all the turnover they've had since 2018. You know, Mookie Betts is gone. Um, Chris Sale's hurt. David Price is gone. Porcello's gone. You know, I think. I think Alex Cora is, you know, getting the best of, out of all the talent that they've brought in. And, you know, the Red Sox are obviously a team to be reckoned with. The first, what, 20 games, they're one of the best teams in baseball. And I think that they'll be right up right up towards the top for the rest of the season. Yeah, I would probably have to agree. So now we're getting to the AL Central. We got the Chicago White Sox in first at 41-24. and 24. 
Uh, in second place, we got the Cleveland Indians at 34 and 28, five and a half games back. In third place at 30 and 34, we got the Kansas City Royals, 10 and a half games back. In fourth place, I repeat, fourth place, not last place, we got the Detroit Tigers, 26 and 39, uh, 15 games back. And in last place, a very big surprise, we got the Minnesota Twins at 26 and 39, and also 15 games back. What do you guys think about the AL Central this year? Disappointing. I don't. The White Sox really good. I expect Cleveland to be good. Kansas City, Detroit, Minnesota is another team that I expect at the beginning of the year. Like, okay, maybe you'll end your playoff win drought this year, but it doesn't even look like they're gonna make it. I think with the central, with the AL Central too, it's obviously a down year, and the AL Central has been good for a for a long time, probably since. 2010, they've always had at least one or two teams that could obviously contend for a title. And, you know, this year, I think the only team that I think really has a chance is the White Sox. Yeah, and it seems like they're probably one of the, I would say, top five teams in the league. But other than that, like, I just think this division is disappointing. To me, I think this is what I thought this division was going to have happen, right? So... I think you look back, like you said, since 2010, um, like they were, they always had, you know, three teams or two teams that just didn't have quite those pieces. Uh, they always, they were always a competitive division. And I think this is what, I mean, as a Tigers fan, I think we saw this coming, you know, this was when the Tigers would hopefully start to turn things around. I think this was when me and, me and uh, a friend of ours, Sam Hall, uh, talked about you know back in high school senior year we were talking about like you know 2022 was when the Tigers were going to start to turn things around really and start to make a push at that division uh, just because uh, the other teams would probably be also entering that swell of uh, a downward uh, spiral sort of um, and then uh, you look at the White Sox and absolutely demolished our tigers the other day and they're they're they've been amazing uh and uh, they've they've been a good good team to watch for sure i think uh with the central too is they've had so many teams like the royals the tigers um even cleveland that have been so good for so long where you know they had to trade away some of their big pieces and um you know their big pieces got older so i think this is this is a division that definitely has a lot of teams that are you know, on the rebuild and on the come up. Yeah, yeah. I think the White Sox are the one, only team done with like a retooling, rebuild. Because Cleveland, obviously, said they lost Bauer. They lost Kluber a couple of years ago, which kills their pitching rotation. Clevenger is another killer. Carrasco. Carrasco. And then Kansas City and Detroit have been – rebuilding for what seems like 30 years but but and then minnesota you didn't really see any changes in the off season i'm not sure what's happening there yeah minnesota is the disappointment out of the group yeah uh, i don't understand how they don't have 30 wins at least it's kind of sad to see them at 26 when the tigers are sitting there just barely ahead of them like that that's not what we expected at all and uh, especially when you bring back everybody and uh, does every all your starters returned, uh, you know, fielding wise and 
I, I don't I don't I don't remember seeing them lose anybody pitching wise either, really. So yeah, especially yeah, when you have interesting to it's see It's crazy to see them in last place, especially when you have Byron Buxton who's playing like an MVP this year. Right. So yeah. I don't know, but they gotta figure it out here soon. Well, one guy who I think deserves a shout out um, is Terry Francona. You know, he's obviously been one of the better managers in baseball, but I think he's done, I think, 34 and 28 with his Cleveland team. And like you said, all the pieces that has, all the pieces that have left in the last, um, what, five years or three years, I think Terry Francona, you know, is a really good manager and gets the best out of, you know, the talent that he has. Yeah. Like, you'd think losing Francisco Lindor from a, t- or from a team like that is a killer, but you see they're in second. They are doing, I wouldn't say completely fine without him, but they're making do. They're not really struggling at that position. And it shows in the standings. So, Mason, you got the AL West? Yeah, getting into the AL West, uh, you've got the Athletics sitting in, at the top of uh, the division with 40 wins, uh, 27 losses. Uh, then you got the Astros, uh, 37 wins and 28 losses. Uh, then you got the Angels coming in third with 33 wins, 32 losses. Uh, the Mariners with 32 wins, 35 losses. And the Rangers uh, sitting in last with 25 wins and 40 losses. Um, I like the Athletics. Uh, I think I'm not surprised they're sitting at the top of the division. Uh, the Angels, I'm surprised, are you know a little bit lower, especially with how exciting Shohei's been, and you've got Mike Trout on the team, and you've got Anthony Rendon. I think they're underachieving right now. I think I think everybody knows that they're a little, they're upset that they're not winning more. Um, and uh, I think they'll be a team that'll turn it around and uh, you know surge in this division and uh, make a run at it, especially with the Athletics, you know, being a team that's always ready to trade things away that we'll talk about a little bit later, but um, I, I can see them dropping off a bit if they make some trades. But I think this is kind of like how the, how you would have expected the division to be, you know, the Astros and athletics kind of top the division and um, obviously the angels, you know, you figured that they would be a little bit more than a game above 500, but Mike Trout's been hurt. So, you know, that obviously plays a factor and, um, but like I said, I think we all expected the Astros and the Athletics to be up there. I think the big thing with this division is, you know, the Athletics are always good in the regular season. Now I think it's time for them to take a step and, you know, win some playoff games and win some series. I love watching the Athletics play. I don't know why this division is super exciting and they're a big part of it because you got guys like Matt Olson who's having a career year. Strikeouts are down, walks are up, hits are up. And Matt Chapman not having the best season, but you really just know what you're getting with him. You're getting a 250 average with 30 home runs, really phenomenal fielding. Yeah. And Gold glove stuff. all these guys like Ramon Laureano, who's consistently fantastic in center field. Uh, I don't know. I just really like this team, like the athletics. Houston, yeah, they may have cheated in 2017, but I'm – now convinced that they still probably could have won that World Series without cheating. See, I don't think anyone can really ever question the talent that that team has, like with Bregman, Altuve, Correa. Mike. I don't know. But, I, but at the same time, like, 
if they're that good, why would they have needed? Yeah, like you look at um, Altuve and his years after that. Like once it was in twenty twenty because they found out they were cheating twenty nineteen, and you see you saw him play. He was terrible defensively. He bad. He batted like under one fifty. It was. But twenty twenty is a fluke, though. You know that twenty oh. a season like twenty twenty will never happen again. So it's kind of hard to judge someone's season off of you know just twenty twenty. I don't know, but if you're like two years prior, you win MVPs, you get tons of votes, and then the next that year. I, you should at least expect to bat like two fifty something like that. Nothing I think, under. I think it's hard with the Strohs because you know after we heard that, you know, it just like brings everything into question, and uh, there's good for good reason, obviously. But um, you see, you see a team that wins a World Series pretty handedly, you know, and we expected them to, you know, that year. I felt like, and. Uh, then the next year we get dropped offs from everyone, which, you know, is what should have happened if you're cheating and you have this advantage. But um, I think they still were a great team. I think everybody knew they were a great team anyways, uh, but it gets rid of that, like, like we knew they were the best team in baseball when yeah. they were the best team in baseball, right? So I think it just makes them just one of those teams that's going to be in the heat. Uh, and they're no longer like that far step ahead of everybody else. Yeah. And um, now they're just one of those heavily competing teams. Mm-hmm. Like uh, personally, I liked the Astros before, didn't support them after, obviously, but I still enjoy watching them play because you got guys like Bregman, Altuve, Yuli Gurriel's having a great season, mm-hmm. Kyle Tucker, all those guys are still phenomenal to watch and it shows i mean 37 and 28 in this division taking second place is nothing to scoff at yeah for sure and then you got the mariners who are you know young and fun to watch too so it's going to be a good division for a while um and going to be some exciting things changing with it and hopefully the angels can make their jump and uh, make some changes in the next year or two and yeah. Uh, be a team that's you know sitting on top of the division soon. Yeah, closing remarks on the division. I think if the Angels can find starting pitchers, then I think they'll be in a good spot. But until then, I don't think they'll find any success. See, the thing is, though, like with the Angels, I feel like ever since Mike Trout's been in the big leagues, is mm-hmm. the Angels need pitching, and they haven't got him pitching. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we still continue to question it, but the real question is, will they ever do it? Go I, get some starting pitching. Yeah, that I franchise don't... needs to make a change, and like and Mike Trout deserves it. Um, he's he's gonna stay committed to them. Uh, that's been very clear. Um, so he expects something to come around. Obviously, Rendon saw something when he signed. Uh, so if Rendon and him, two stars in our league, uh, can have confidence in the organization, the organization needs to show baseball fans that. You know, those stars aren't believing in you for no reason. I think uh, as a baseball fan, it's frustrating to see. I think with the, another thing with the Angels is they got three star attractions with Rendon, Mike Trout, and Shohei. You think that the organization would realize, you know, there's not many opportunities you get to have three high-level caliber players. You yeah. Know? You think that they would realize, you know, we need to go get some starting pitching and, you know, kind of all around build this team to be um, championship level. Yeah, and. That's not even talking about, like, you got guys like Jared Walsh who 
have been one of the top hitters since entering the league. Then you got young guys like Joe Adele on the come up. They have, they're going to have a great offense for years to come, but you know what they say, defense with championships and pitching is a very big part of defense. So I think they need to go out and get an eight, like an actual bona fide ace and like maybe a middle of the rotation guy. But until then, I don't think they'll find much success. And then moving on to the National League East, you have the Mets, who are in first place at 32 and 25. The Phillies are 32 and 31, three games back. Atlanta's 30 and 33, five games back. And then Miami, 29 and 36, seven games back. And then my favorite team, sadly, the 27 and 35. Washington Nationals, who are seven and a half games back from first. And Interesting. I, I <laughs> this division is just weird because you usually expect, oh, you know, Atlanta always to be top of the division. Mets competing like everyone finally thought they were going to. Uh, Phillies, you never really expect them to be in the top position, but. I mean, but they got a lot of talent, though. Like, I think they've just underperformed ever since they got Harper. Like, I think everyone had such high high expectations for the Phillies last year, and they kind of disappointed. So I think they kind of were put on the back burners. But they got enough talent to compete in the East, not just the East, but you know, in the whole league in, as a whole. I don't know. I don't. I don't think their team is necessarily complete. Well, they're not but complete, but they're, so, they're, but they're still a high-level team. This, this, These standings for this division don't surprise me all that much, actually. like, I think the Mets are the best team in the division. I think the Phillies are a team that can definitely take second place in this division because they do have the, stand, the star power and the talent to be there, but not the pitching to like get them over the hump, probably. Um, and then the Braves, uh, they're a team that I'm not surprised took a little drop-off this year maybe and take third in this division. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is how it finishes out the year. Um, Nationals probably get out of last, and they probably take fourth. Uh, hopefully, don't, don't hopefully, say that hopefully, hope. hopefully. <laughs> that, That's what we <laughs> like to think anyways. Uh, you know, with the Marlins team that is also uh, uh, sitting around the bottom feeder team. Yeah, I think Miami's gonna be very good for a long time though, because they got oh, coming soon for like, sure. Jazz Chisholm, Sixto one of Sixto Sanchez, a couple of like the best prospects. Oh yeah, they're coming soon. And but, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they have their struggles this year, and some of those young yeah. guys do have their big long, you know, droughts or something. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. So. I'd I'd give it probably three years before they're at max that they're competing for a playoff spot. Right. I think the big thing with the East too is sure your Nationals are 27 and 35, but no one in the in this division is completely out of it. I mean, the Nationals yeah. are 27 and 35 and they're only seven and a half games out. So, right. like we saw when they won the World Series, they they started out the season awful and then they got out at the right time. So, best team in baseball can, since May 24th. <laughs> anything can happen, especially when no one's running away with the division. Yeah, it's definitely good for, I think, the division. It'll be more competitive. Games will be a lot higher stakes. Because if if you don't have a clear favorite, like, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to watch from here on out the rest of the year. Because they still got 
hundred games left, and anything could happen in that hundred games. So now moving on to the NL Central, we got the Brew Crew in first place at thirty-eight and twenty-seven. We got the Cubbies at thirty-seven and twenty-seven, only a half game behind the Brew Crew. We got the Reds at thirty-two and thirty-one, five games back. We got St. Louis thirty-two and thirty-two, five and a half games back. And we got the lowly Pirates, <laughs> twenty-three and forty-one. As Pat McAfee said, sell the team. <laughs> How about those Pirates? How about that? So what do you guys think of the NL Central as a whole? Um, I think it's pretty uh, what we'd expect, really, Good. except for the Cardinals, because you expect them to be top five team in baseball every year, and they're even record right now with the star power that they have. I, It's kind of like the Twins. I don't know what's going on there, but they got to find it soon. Good division, though. I mean, I, I overall is a good division. I, you got the Pirates, who are uh, <laughs> uh, obviously the outlier there, but uh, it's a good division. You got the Cardinals; they got star power. Uh, the Reds, we talked about in a previous episode, where uh, they should make a jump because you know you got Votto, you got all these guys, and uh, they should definitely make a jump and uh, make a run for something. So those two, I expect to you know make a run and be on on top or fighting for the top spot. It's going to be tight as things close up, especially, you know, the Cubs are going to be, be competitive and still win a bunch of games to finish the season. And uh, the Brewers, the, I'm kind of surprised with the Brewers They've uh, that they have held on to first place uh, up to this point. Uh, they're a little, you know, they've struggled at times, but they still find themselves winning a lot of games and uh, winning some nail biters. And uh, so good for them being in first place, honestly. Yeah, I think with the Brewers too, like sure they got Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, but you know to be in first place, you know with how Yelich has been struggling, right? I think you know the Brewers have definitely, definitely been playing really well. But I think in this division, I I wouldn't be surprised if any of the top four teams won. To be honest with yeah. you, yeah, I think I think any all these teams are playoff caliber, and you know anyone can get hot at the right time, and I wouldn't be surprised if. At least two or three team of these teams made the playoffs with the wild card. Yeah, and uh, what you said too about heating up at the right time. The Brewers, uh, Christian Yelich is starting to come back almost to his former self. He's batting two forty eight now, three home runs, fifteen RBIs, only a seven ninety nine OPS. But through the first probably forty games, he was batting around a hundred, and finally found it starting to hit well again so i could see him ending the year probably batting around 270 280 if like the ideal situation for him but i don't know it makes me happy because i'm i've been a big supporter of him since he was in miami yeah this is awesome yeah for sure uh, this game, this division's not going to be a spread of you know more than eight games. That those four teams, yeah. at the most, are going to be eight games apart by the end of the season. I don't see the spread getting any further. It's going to get closer, and then it's going to be down to the wire for sure with those last four teams. Uh, the Pirates are obviously going to be out of it because uh, they don't seem to throw the baseball to the right location. Uh, during games, uh, or, so <laughs> or, or, or step on first base when he hit a home run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor guy. 
Oh, that's tough. But. Hey, he's a he's a good baseball player too. Oh, Ryan he, Hayes. He's you actually. Know, I'm not, he's not awesome. throwing any shade. I'm just kind of throwing shade at the Pirates as a whole. Not it, him. It's <laughs> just it's just funny that that happens when you're sitting in last and like, you know, you want that run and it just didn't happen on that particular occasion. Yeah, <laughs> which is tough. No, I'm hoping he continues to perform well because I have about six of his rookie cards. So if he does well, I'll have a nice chunk of change in my pocket. Yeah, for sure. So getting uh, into the NL West now, we have the Giants uh, sitting in first place, which has been a nice surprise. They've been really successful, uh, 40 wins and 25 losses. Uh, the Dodgers are sitting in second with 39 wins and 26 losses. Then we got the Padres, a great team, with 38 wins and 29 losses. And then we got the Rockies with 25 wins and 41 losses, and the Diamondbacks with 20 wins and 46 losses. Uh, very top-heavy division. Uh, the top three teams are going to be uh, in heavy competition, uh, and hopefully the Giants can keep being so successful. Uh, they've been a fun team to watch. And then you got the Dodgers. Dodgers are loaded with talent on talent on talent. So uh, we expect them to be good. And then the Padres, obviously, with, with Tatis, you're going to have a fun team to watch. And uh, they're going to be successful throughout the season. So um, And then the bottom two, you know, no surprise that they're struggling with three awesome teams in the division. Um, it's going to be hard for them to dig out of that hole just because of how often they have to play those other three. Yeah, I think with obviously in this division, you expected the Dodgers and Padres to be, you know, right atop the division. But like we've talked about in the past podcasts, you know, how nice of it is is it to have the Giants atop the division? You know, Kevin Gosman has been on fire. You got the old guys and um, Evan Longoria, Brandon Crawford, Buster you know, Posey, Buster Posey, hey, Buster. We forgot to mention awesome. Posey in the last one, but. Uh, yeah, it's nice to see the Giants. You know, hopefully they can keep it going and you know knock the Dodgers out. Yeah, I think this division to me the division is the most surprising in baseball, just for the fact you have the Giants ahead of the Padres and the Dodgers, but also because the Diamondbacks are the worst team in the league and they have a lot of talent on that team. And I don't think anyone expected going into the season that they would be 20 and 46 behind the Pittsburgh Pirates. Like, I don't know. And then the Rockies didn't expect them to do too well after losing their best player. But no pitching. Playing in Coors Field is not a good mix. But the Diamondbacks are the biggest surprise to me personally. Yeah, sitting 20 and a half games back uh, as the Diamondbacks, that's that's tough uh, and a big surprise. But the Giants, I mean, are the, big, uh, the biggest surprise of the year in baseball. I think nobody thought they were going to have 40 wins uh, through uh, 65 games that they've played. Like, it's pretty awesome. And uh, some old heads going off, uh, very good, good time for sure. And glad they can be doing this for baseball and keeping things interesting. Yeah. Giving us something to talk about. Yeah, so do you guys think that the Giants keep this up or do you think the Padres or uh Dodgers take over? Um, I would say they could I don't think they'll stay in first, but I think they'll stay competitive 
for the rest of the year. I definitely think they'll be, you know, probably like five games, five to ten games over 500. But I think, you know, the Padres or Dodgers, I think they'll eventually just take over, take over, realize that, especially at towards the end of the year, realize that, you know, they're going to need to kick it into gear. Because like we said, the NL Central has three or four teams that very yeah. well could sneak into the wild card. So I think those two teams will definitely have to, you know, kick it in and, you know, start playing like some of their best baseball. Yeah, there's getting hot, but there's being great from the start of the year. And the Giants have been good since day one this year, really. So I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think they'll fall off at all. I don't know if they'll take first. I don't know if they'll take second. But the division's so close that it's really hard to tell. Because the top three spots, you got the leader. Dodgers are one game back, and the Padres are only three. And with a hundred something games left, or a little less, little more, they a lot can happen yeah. in that uh, span of time. Baseball has a way of humbling teams for sure that like <laughs> are successful early on, you know. So I I won't be surprised if the Padres and the Dodgers, you know, just surge ahead just because of all their talent. Uh, and the Giants, the Giants are going to be a good team. It's that, that's pretty clear. Um, but I think they're going to be one of those teams that's fighting for a wild card spot, and they're going to be fighting against the NL Central more or less. I think that's where their battle lies, just because you, you, I don't expect that they'll be easily winning the division with the Dodgers and the Padres, right? So yeah. I, I expect them to probably finish, finish in third in the division or second in the division. Um, just because of uh, all the talent that those other two teams have, and uh, the Giants are, you know, going to be that contending team that's hoping for a wild card and hoping to get hot again, like right around yeah. playoff time, right? So, uh, I hope that happens. I think that'd be really fun for baseball. I think that'd be, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, but um, I would love it to happen if yeah. that makes sense, right? So, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Next thing I want to talk about, because we went through the standings, all that, is potential trade bait for teams. And everyone and their grandfather knows that Trevor Story is on the move somewhere. And I think a couple good places for him would be New York, the Yankees. I don't think they need another lefty bat, or they don't need another righty bat, but, uh, they have been known to go out and get the best player that they can by whether it's buying or trading. But mm-hmm. I think you could go to the Yankees, and then another destination too is one of your guys' choices for this is uh, Trevor Story for Matt Chapman. Right. And because you see, Story is obviously the hands-down best player on that Rockies team, one of the best shortstops in the league. And you have a struggling Matt Chapman who isn't really what they expected him to be. And I think it'd be a good trade for them. But I think that's something that, you know, you expect, like I was saying before, is the athletics. We expect them to make a trade with Chapman. 
just because they're a team that does that all the time, yeah. right? So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I don't know how it works out uh, prospects-wise. If that, some, some team has to throw something in, uh, I don't know where that's going to go or uh, how that will work with the athletics because the athletics like to get the prospects. They don't really like yeah. to give the prospects. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be interesting to see if Story can land there, especially with um, him being you know so valuable. Yeah. Uh, it'll be hard for the athletics to, I think, give up prospects for him just because that's something they don't typically do. Um, and it would be uh, interesting to see if the athletics want to really make that push and uh, if they think that Chapman isn't going to round the corner or yeah. you know be more successful in the second half, even though he's been so good defensively consistently for his career, um, it's going to be hard to let a guy like that go, but they're so, not going to pay him. So. <laughs> so I got a question for both of you. And this is regarding story to the Yankees. So obviously a couple of years ago when Glaber Torres was top prospect, you know, the mm-hmm. Yankees were saying he's untradeable, untouchable. Would you throw in Glaber Torres for a trade with Trevor Story? I would put almost anything in the trade to get Trevor Story. He's top three shortstops in the league. And you saw that glimpse of how good Glaber Torres could be. Hasn't quite lived up to it as Yankee fans and most of baseball fans think. But, like, say he was going to trade with the Nationals, I would give up anything but Juan Soto or Trey Turner. Anything. Like, he's that good of a player, great defensively, fast on the base pass. He can hit for power, hit for contact. He's one of uh, – he's a 5 to a player personally me and matt are over here yeah i don't know how i feel about that so I, I wouldn't say i, I wouldn't say i would give like, up anyone for him you know it's yeah that's almost I, I feel, anyone i feel like labor torres you know he's had a few years in the big leagues and i think he's just been he had one one really good year but other than that i think he's just been average so you know if you can for sure lock up trevor story i think you know it'd be worth it plus two. I, I think the yankees could do that i think they would do that um but if that does happen, Glaber will go off with that yeah. Course. That's what I'm like, saying. I think like yeah, he'll go off in cores, but like he'll be great if he gets traded there with the A's, just because or no, and whatever. <laughs> just because <laughs> no, like it's a like, new, what? it's just because it's a new environment, and I think that's what he yeah. needs, right? Like, I think I think the Yankees like are just struggling as a whole with their like i don't know like we talked about in the last podcast like just kind of a culture mm-hmm. like the guys they have in the locker room i think it's just like a weird atmosphere right now yeah and i think glaber would be really successful if he gets out of that maybe gets to being uh kind of a centerpiece mm-hmm. in that rockies uh locker room uh, and then uh, hopefully the rockies can you know start to rebuild and yeah. uh, retool get some new new younger guys and maybe become a young, exciting team in baseball. Yeah, and so. what I was thinking too is you trade for Trevor Story as the Yankees. You're not giving up just Clayber Torres for Trevor Story. You're going to send over prospects too. For sure. And the change of scenery for Clayber Torres, the change of scenery for Trevor Story, plus those prospects coming back to the Rockies, I think it benefits both teams. For sure. See, I think with a trade like that though, I don't know if the Yankees, besides Glaber Torres, would have to give up that much because Glaber Torres is so valuable in itself already. 
you know, maybe yeah. Gleyber Torres and one other you know, mid-level prospect. But I don't think they'll have to give the house. I, think I don't think they'll story. give the house, but I don't I think, think it's going to be cheap either. Yeah, I think it'd have to be like a pretty pretty solid prospect. If they're just doing one, it's got to be a pretty good prospect. Also, too. That the, that the Rockies are also really high on. you got to like have somebody that's yeah. going to really make it worth it for them. Because the Rockies aren't going to do it unless they're going to get good enough compensation. Yeah, and especially when the story's been so good. Yeah, and you're going to have every team competing in a playoff spot offering at least something for them. So you got to have that top deal right. if you really want them. Because like, I can expect at least two of the top teams from but, most divisions to at least call and see yeah. what think, do you want. I think with that, though, I think sure. Labor Torres would be the best return, best player you could get for him. He has the most potential, I think. I don't think he'd be the best player to offer, but I don't know. Maybe you it see Depends what de- they're throwing in. You know, yeah. It's so hard to tell because I think the Rockies would be okay for giving Story up for – a lot of prospects yeah. instead of getting a Glaber Torres. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I think Story is an interesting uh, interesting player to watch yeah. around and the trade. Deadline, even then, sure. too, you could also throw in like their, one of their outfielders, like Clint Frazier, uh, Glaber Torres, and maybe a middle, middle prospect. Those are two great pieces to start a team with. But... Yeah. I guess we'll just have to see what happens with him. Depends where the Rockies want to go with it. If they want to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to go full rebuild. Yeah. Or are we going to go, let's stay kind of relevant and get some prospects and hopefully we can turn this around with free agency or whatever. Yeah. Which will be tough to do after what has happened recently (laughs) (laughs) with with the Rockies as a franchise. So, you know, we'll we'll see how they feel out the waters and how they test the free agency market along with, you know, the trade market. The next guy I want to talk about for trade bait is two-eyed freak, Max Scherzer. A beauty. Future Hall of Famer. You know, Max Scherzer, he's got a 2.21 ERA. I mean... If you're any of these top teams, like we're talking, you know, the Blue Jays, I think the Blue Jays need some, you know, high quality starting pitching. And I think if the Blue Jays could get a guy like Max Scherzer, they'd immediately make them, you know, a lot better than what they are right now, obviously. But I think, you know, any team that's, you know, in the hunt for winning their division or in the hunt for winning the World Series, I think they'd be happy with getting, they would be ecstatic with getting a guy like Max Scherzer. Don't call me crazy, but I think a top team fit for Max Scherzer would be the Milwaukee Brewers. I can see that Because they have great pitching up and down, but they still they have Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, but adding another superstar pitcher, especially of Scherzer's caliber, I think that would kind of solidify them as the team for the NLC. I think with the Brewers too, like they have a very solid rotation now, but if you could get a guy like Max Scherzer, that makes your rotation elite. Yeah. Well, what ha- what ha- what has to happen with the Brewers? Who, who do they have to give up? You think? I would say what has to go, right? Maybe, maybe Keston Hero. Keston Hero would probably be involved mm-hmm. in that. He's kind of underperformed, but we've seen how good he is. Mm-hmm. And personally, as a Nationals fan, I'd be and, ecstatic to get Keston Hero. And, and I think for a guy like Scherzer too, I think Keston Hero is probably the best option the Nationals could get because yeah. the Brewers don't really have that great performance. Yeah, I would say Keston Hero maybe like Jared a middle. Mitchell. 
I won't, I don't think they give up him. He's yeah, I don't because so. especially as a because I think Scherzer is going to be a rental unless he really performs well with the Brewers and they extend him. I think they give up Keston Hero, who has been in and out of the lineup, not really starting. And then you got Colton Wong and um, Willie Adamas playing the middle. So I think he's expendable, but a good upside for the Nationals to get. And then maybe like just a middle end prospect, like I don't know. But that's where my uh that's where I think he'll go. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh I think I think uh another another group in the NL. Um the Mets would love to add another yeah. starter, right? I mean, I think uh, they have good pro. They have a good farm system right now. Uh, they could definitely offer up quite a few prospects and uh, make a run at it, or at least see what their test the waters, see what uh, the Nationals really want um, for Max Scherzer, and that would obviously solidify them. And the Na- the Nationals wouldn't be really be worried about that either. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think the Nationals are worried about giving a starting pitcher like Max Scherzer to the Mets right now, just because he is expected to probably just be a rental. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, that gives the Mets a solid chance at, you know, making a push and maybe being, you know, obviously winning the division, probably if they get Max Scherzer, in my yeah. opinion, and then, you know, potentially pushing for a World Series. Like that's that's the goal. Right. So I think that's, a, you know, the Mets have shown that this year in free agency, they weren't afraid to go spend money and uh, weren't afraid to make some moves to really try and turn this franchise around. So it wouldn't surprise me if that change happened. I think one other team too, you know, we talked about this team earlier about having all this talent, but you know, doesn't have that great starting pitching, you know, it's Philly too. I mean, you know, it might be hard for the nationals to trade, you know, in division, you know, trade Scherzer in, into a team inside the division. But like I said, you know, then the Phillies, they got, you know, Zach Wheeler, he's been really good this year. They got Aaron Nola. Um, you know, if they can get Max Scherzer, I think that solidifies, you know, their starting rotation and makes them a good starting rotation. Maybe not elite because, you know, Zach Wheeler, he's only had really one good year. And Aaron Nola has been, you know, a good pitcher, but not great. So I think, you know, that would that could only help the Phillies. And obviously their goal with Bryce Harper and JT Romuto is, you know, to make the playoffs and obviously, you know, have bigger aspirations as far as, you know, winning the World Series. Personally, if you went to the Phillies, that would pain me more than anything. <laughs> Seeing the Phillies just continue to take my favorite players, but I think it would be good for them. But I don't. And another team too with Scherzer, I think he'd be a good fit with the White Sox because they have a great another team with a great rotation. I think the White Sox have a good enough rotation now. I think the I mean, White, because yeah. they got they got Rodon, yeah, Rodon. You, Carlos Rodon's been dominant. They got. You know, Keiko, former um, all-star, former Cy Young. They got uh, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease. Um, I think I think their rotation right now is good enough. I think they would have to give up too much, you right. know, to get Scherzer. I don't, and I don't, I don't think they'd be willing to break up, you know, what they have going right now. Yeah, I guess. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's one of those situations where it's going to cause more ruffles than it would you or, know, cause them to get over that hump. I think, I think the White Sox are going to just stay – and try and you know if they can sneak a piece or something, then they might do that. In or because they got a bunch of aging starters who are having a great season, do you put Max Scherzer trade for him, put him in the bullpen as like a long reliever that can eat up a few innings for you? I, I don't think you Scherzer would ever go. He's way too good of a starter to ever go to the bullpen. Yeah, 
I don't think anybody goes and gets Max Scherzer and says, "Oh, you're going to be a long reliever now." <laughs> you know, no, I but... I understand. I mean, you know, if if this was a you know MLB the Show franchise, I understand <laughs> what you're saying. But... <laughs> but but I I just look at it this way though: if you're going to go get Max Scherzer, you know, you probably have to give up one of those young starting pitchers, like maybe like Mike Kopech and or one of those guys. But I don't think that they're willing to do that. No, I don't think that. They'd have to give up any of their young starters, especially being a half-year rental. But I do think but, they would have to give up some piece but, from that but you rotation. Have, but you have to realize, though, you know, a lot of these rentals, so to speak, you know, create bring back some of the more like most uh, profit for the other teams. Like just look yeah. at what Chapman did when he went to the Cubs. He brought, um, yeah, the Cubs. He brought uh, Glaber Torres. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I think a lot of these rentals are, you know, kind of desperation things to help you win the World Series. So you're willing to give up more than what you may actually mm-hmm. need to give up. Yeah. And don't sleep on the Yankees. They'll probably send the Nationals $2 billion. <laughs> hey, give me Max Scherzer. They'll, they'll, give, them, they'll give them the hell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, take, take my wife to uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Who knows the Brian Cashman? Brian Cashman. He, he'd probably sell his life to, yeah. get, to win another World yeah. Series. <laughs> who was who the football coach that said he would cut his nuts off for a, <laughs> like a super, super Bowl or something? Oh, it was Rabel. It was Rabel for the title. Yeah. It was on the Bustin' with the Boys podcast is when he hey, said that. Hey, um, shout out Taylor Luan Will Thompson. For sure. Yeah, that great, great show that they got, but... Um, I think we're going to get into the next thing and talk about Vladdy real quick. Uh, how uh, awesome he's been recently. Triple crown, like leading the American League and all of it. It's yeah. nasty. He's been, he's been awesome. And I, uh, I want to just talk about this for a quick second, just because my parents are going to go see him play <laughs> tomorrow in Fenway. And I've never been to Fenway and they're there. Uh, my dad's been sending me pictures of the stadium as they're walking by like all day today, uh, just rubbing it in the fact that he's going to see, you know, Vladdy and Bo Bichette and get to watch that great, uh, Blue Jays team, uh, and how much fun they've been to watch as they put up, what was it? 17 runs last night on the <laughs> Red Sox, something yeah. like that. Do but... your parents really love you if they don't make fun of you for going to see your favorite teams i mean he's probably questioning it there they went to Fenway without him (laughs) it's painful let me tell you this my parents they my mom has to go to washington dc every year for uh meetings and stuff i'll get texts pictures snapchats all of it of them going to capitals games nationals games and my dad always texts me jealous question mark and it makes me break down and be very depressed for the next few days because they're there without me. And, oh, it I don't know. But you're not the only one that has to deal with that. Going back to, like, Vladdy, too, is I think, like, the biggest thing with his resurgence, obviously, and, you know, it was a 60-game season, so it's kind of hard to tell. But, you know, he, he lost a lot of weight, and I think that really helped him as far as, you know, fielding fielding-wise and then also – you know, just in the batter's box. Yeah, nobody, everybody expected him to kind of break out soon yeah, what was after it? last year, but I don't think anyone expected triple crown numbers uh, right out of the bat because, or at least I didn't right away. I expected it maybe yeah. later in his career, but this young, this early, 
I mean, I, I guess I pictured triple crowns for him, but yeah. not this season, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, he's been awesome and hitting bombs left and right, and just he, I think the biggest thing is I think his bat speed went up a little bit this year, so he's just like getting to more balls consistently mm-hmm. instead of having that just big sweeping power bat where it was yeah. if he connected with it then it was going to go 500 feet <laughs> uh this year he's putting a lot more contact on the ball and definitely hitting it out more often yeah you know like you know as you said bass speed and you know it's probably just being lighter you know what i mean exactly and i think you know that just that him being lighter i think just you know t- took his game to a whole different Matt, you know a little bit about bat speed, don't you? Yeah, I was better when I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even speaking on your so-called king of Detroit, his bat speed. Oh, well, that's, but that, that's but, age. But yeah, but anyway, <laughs> guy, I'm just I'm just saying watch. that because he, Vlad does remind me of Miggy. And yeah, his prime. they're both you know can hit the hit the ball the all fields with power, you know. And I think I think Vladdy is a good comparison to Miguel. You know, I don't think he. I don't think Vlad is quite what Miggy was. Well, not well. Obviously, but, we're talking about we're talking yeah, about, no, we're talking I, about one of the greatest, yeah. <laughs> but, the greatest right handed hitters of all time. But seeing his numbers this year, I think it's closer than we think. But but yeah. I, that's what I'm trying to say though. I'm saying that he's probably the closest thing as far as as a right handed hitter. You'll get to you know the power and power to all fields and yeah. Right. And uh, I want to talk about one last thing before we close this here. Seeing me and Jake got to see uh, Spencer Torkelson and Dylan Dingler. Both of them got moved up to Double A Erie. What do you What do you guys say about that? Didn't see that, but I think it's well deserved because since the games that we saw, Torkelson's been on fire. Like he's yeah, been the dude's been light consistently doubles on base. Hit a few home runs. Yeah, I think when we saw him, his average was like it 180, was... and now he's batting like three. I think it's like 312 or something. <laughs> yeah. So the last month is and his that... batting average took a huge jump. And I don't think anyone really expected him to be this. Oh, you come in right away, you're gonna bat 400 in the minors. Because yeah, you play college and you go professional. It's a huge jump, but he's taking it really well and. Dingler, very good. Yeah, Ding Dingler, you know, he's been really good with the bat. The one game we saw, he kind of struggled defensively, but I think he'll he's he was known for his glove when he was at Ohio State with his, you know, bat. But at the same time, you know, we maybe the one game we saw he was kind of struggling, but and you know I think, what? I think he's a good enough prospect to make some noise in the big leagues. It could have just been the heat that day too. It was like ninety eight yeah. degrees outside under all that catcher's gear. It's tough to focus when you're overheating but no i think both of them will do just fine all that so mm-hmm. for sure. I, I think it's cool that torkelson breaks out after you guys see him like <laughs> we're, 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 you you, you see him luck. you see you see him hit a bomb and then just takes off hey, from there you know I'm it saying, had to be you guys we saw, we saw his first professional home every run. every year i've seen a baseball team either for a player or for the team they've ended up winning something 2019 washington nationals we need it. home we, opener 
We need to wins the World it. Series that year. Spencer Torkelson breaks out after we see his first home run. I don't know. For me and Mason's case, we need to bring stuff. you to a Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to buy the tickets, I'm all for it. Let's go if, to America. If, if it means the World Series, I'll buy you the best tickets available. <laughs> you give me dugout seats and I won't complain. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I guess that uh, brings us to a close on this podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us for the third edition of the pod. Uh, Check us out on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, we'll see you next time. Next week we'll have a guest and Jake's brother, Nick, because I won't be here. This is true. Matt will not be joining us. He's uh, going on vacation. So Yeah, he thinks uh, he's better than us going to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, so we'll see him after the next one. All right, peace.